Al Jazeera podcast. Israel's ground invasion of Gaza has been a ferocious few days. The death toll since October 7th is now more than 8,000 people. Phase two, Israel says, has begun. According to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, there are two objectives. The destruction of the military and governmental capabilities of Hamas and the release of the captives. At every stage until now, and at every stage from now on, we will exhaust every possibility to return our abducted brothers and sisters to their families. And on Monday, Hamas released a video of a few captives. In it, they're heard criticizing the Israeli government's refusal to agree to a prisoner exchange. In the video, which Al Jazeera has decided not to show, one of the captives directly addresses Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, saying that we are bearing the responsibility of your political security and military failure on October the 7th. It's not clear if the captives' words were their own, but they're reflected inside Israel as well, as anger at the government is growing. Only a fraction of the captives have been released so far. The rest are part of a conflict that has spiraled out of control. So how will the captives affect Israel's calculus? And how much of a priority are they? I'm Natasha Del Toro, in for Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. The Israeli government says the number of captives is 239. According to Hamas, who's holding them, some 50 of them have already died under Israeli bombardment. On Saturday, as Gaza experienced a total communications blackout, some Israeli families of the captives took to the streets to demand Netanyahu accept what Hamas is offering an immediate exchange of all the captives for Palestinian prisoners. This was the offer from Hamas's spokesman in the Gaza Strip, Abu Ubaidah. The large number of enemy prisoners we have has the price of emptying the entire Zionist prisons of all Palestinian prisoners. If the enemy wants to end this file at once, we are ready for that. And if they want a path to divide the file, we are ready for that as well. Oren Ziv, a photojournalist and reporter in Israel, has been speaking with some of the families making this demand. They said a very radical thing for the Israeli public. They said that they're, from their perspective, uh, release everyone for everyone, meaning all the Palestinian uh, prisoners, or the vast majority of the Palestinian prisoners, for all the Israeli hostages. That This is a very uh, radical thing to say inside the Israeli society, especially when there's many prisoners uh, still from the Second Intifada that uh, committed uh, attacks that killed many Israelis. So inside Israel, it's a very sensitive issue. But it seems that the families are uh, willing, of course, in order to release their beloved one uh, to do anything. These captives are at the center of a number of fault lines in Israeli society that have only grown in the aftermath of the October 7th attack and the government's response since. To understand where they fit in, we talked to Hagai Matar. 
I'm the executive director of Plus 972 magazine. And that means I run this independent outlet of Israeli and Palestinian journalists reporting on the ground about everything that's going on with a focus on human rights, resistance of apartheid, and promoting justice and equality. Hagai and his colleagues have been following what's been happening with the Israeli captives since October 7th, and what little we know about negotiations for their release. The past couple of weeks have been devastating. It's continuously terrible getting the news, both generally and specifically, about relatives of friends, about colleagues that are missing or have been abducted or have been killed. So with that horror that is still ongoing and unfolding on the one hand, and at the same time seeing how that is being used to justify yet another campaign of total war on Gaza with collective punishment disconnecting two million people from electricity and water and fuel the aerial bombardments killing thousands. Um, It's been a very, very difficult and painful time. In the Israeli media, the captives seem to have held everyone's focus, their whereabouts, their well-being, their stories. I think Israeli media has obviously been paying a lot of attention to the captives. It's a very painful story. I think it's kind of the one ongoing story for the Israeli side. I think if we look at everything that's been going on since October the 7th, for Israel, there was this one huge blow um, of of terror that happened on Saturday and, and the following Sunday. But ever since then, you know, Israelis are not in significant danger. The, you know, rocket fire is not a huge risk for Israelis, generally speaking. Whereas on the Palestinian side, bombs keep falling and killing hundreds of people every day. So there's no symmetry in the level of violence and threat in the day-to-day. The one thing that is ongoing for Israelis is mostly the people who are still held captive. More than 200 hostages are still being held in Gaza, which is an increasingly dangerous place. Families who are on the edge of madness with fear. Anxious parents lined up at microphones on Israeli TV begging for answers. So there's a lot of attention being put on that. It is also, I think, the main issue of political debate within Israeli society. But as we record this episode, a lot of details about their conditions aren't clear. Another demand by family members is for their relatives to be seen by the Red Cross. That hasn't happened. Before the ground invasion, release negotiations were ongoing. Mediated by Qatar and Egypt, Haggai says there have been two sets of releases. The first of two American citizens, I think, of all the people who were abducted, they were the people with the least relationship to this place. They're actual American citizens living in the U.S. They were just visiting here. That's Judith Renan and Natalie, her teenage daughter, who'd come from Chicago to visit family. So unlike many of the other people who were abducted who actually live here, they really have the least connection. I think it's no coincidence that they were the first to be released. And from what we know, this was mostly in dialogue between Hamas and the U.S. through mediators, and that Israel was not deeply involved in that release. 
And it all happened while Israel and Hamas have been trading blame about who's been refusing to negotiate over any releases. What we do know about the American captives was that it was presented as a unilateral gesture on the side of Hamas. And then the following day, there was supposedly a unilateral gesture on the side of Israel that allowed humanitarian aid in. But I think everyone understands that was, that was the deal. It was two people in exchange for some humanitarian aid. And I think it is quite likely down the line that more people released will be in exchange for, for additional humanitarian aid or uh, temporary ceasefires or something like that. As for the second release, that was of two elderly Israeli women. We don't do much about how their release was secured. We know that it is in part because of their medical condition, but uh, we don't know all the facts there yet. One of these elderly women was 85-year-old Jochved Lifshitz, and her account of what happened to her and what followed her release created a lot of media attention. So when Yochavid Lipschitz was released, she she had several things to say. I mean, it started by saying how um, she was brutalized when she was abducted. I went through hell. I didn't think or know I'd get to this situation. They went on a rampage in our kibbutz, kidnapped me, lay me over a motorcycle on the side, and flew with me through the plowed fields. And then after that, she said, once being put in the underground tunnels and having had to walk for miles in underground tunnels, once they've reached their final destination, this underground hall under Gaza, that's when she said Hamas treated us as they were treating themselves. They took care of all our needs. I'll give them credit for that. They were very courteous. They made sure we were clean, that we ate. We ate the same food they did. Pitas with cream cheese, melted cheese, cucumbers. That was a meal for an entire day. We got the same food. There was shampoo and and medical treatment for those who needed it. That was the description. And in the beginning, there was an uproar here in Israel. How you know, did you let her say these things, kind of accusing the government of this being a loss in the kind of global public arena? Because if she said that Hamas treated them kindly, then then that's a loss. But not every Israeli sees it that way. With the situation in Gaza so volatile, it's no surprise that the family members of the hostages are divided about what should be done to secure their release. I have a message for Israeli government. The war is only going to stop when all the kidnaps are coming home. Until then, the war is still going on. Any civilized country should put as much pressure as they can for the release of the hostages. I think that we need the Red Cross to first, first of all, visit the hostages, make sure that they are well treated, make sure that they get the right. Oren, the photojournalist, says for the captives, the situation is very worrying. For Israel, uh, officially is claiming they are attacking 
from the air and from the ground, but as well underground the facilities of Hamas. And this is according to the hostages that were released. This is where the hostages are being held, probably in talents or bunkers uh, under Gaza City or at other locations. And it's very worrying for the situation, A, because uh, ground invasion, even limited one or limited ground operation as we're seeing now, and the escalation in the strikes from the from the sky means delaying any deal and postponing it. The families of the hostages are very worried. We've seen a few press conferences and uh, vigils they did outside the Ministry of Defense in Tel Aviv. Uh, they demanded that receive a meeting with the Prime Minister. And in the press conference following the meeting, they said uh, that they believe the families, uh, the release of their family members should be first in the priority before any ground invasion or anything else. And Oren also says that the issue of these captives has stirred unrest across Israeli society. I assume that in the coming weeks we, we will see protests, not only of them, but also of people that uh, their beloved ones were killed. In this Hamas attack, we will see protests about, you know, the conditions that allow this, the, the, the lack of intel, like... It, it, you know, it might take a while, but I'm sure we're going to see a bigger protest movement around the hostages, but more wide, widely from that. After the break, what the Israeli public wants to see from their government to secure people's release. Get your news in less than three minutes, three times per day with the Al Jazeera News Updates. Just ask your home device to play the news by Al Jazeera or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. When it comes to the family members' anger about the Israeli government not doing enough to secure these captives' release, to Haggai, it's hard to answer that question concretely. This is really, really hard to say. Is the government doing enough? Because these things, by their nature, are very, very covert. But how people feel does seem to cross political lines. I think for the first couple of weeks, the sense that many people were getting from the government is that this is not a priority for them. While obviously Prime Minister Netanyahu and others were talking about the captives and saying we want to see their safe return home, um, it did not seem that there were any serious negotiations taking place. Israel said that it was not willing to engage with Hamas on this and really focusing on the rhetoric of toppling Hamas, of going in on destroying Hamas, much less so on the release of the captives. The same can be said about the appointment of a new official government representative for leading the issue of um, freeing hostages, someone who has no experience in the field and is seen as basically there to cover Netanyahu's interests and take care of narrow political interests and not actually be a helpful negotiator. So that was also seen as an indication of how little the government cares. As Israel's hostage situation drags into its fourth week and a ground invasion with a stated goal of rescuing the captives underway, the political ramifications for Netanyahu are growing and could spell serious trouble. 
To Haggai, it's not about whether Netanyahu should resign. A huge majority of Israelis polled think that he should. The question is when. So Netanyahu has been facing very low approval rates even before the war. Most polls show that if there would be elections now, the Netanyahu coalition would see a tremendous drop from 64 seats offering a majority in the Knesset to about 52, which is a significant minority. And that was before the war. Now things have only gotten worse for Netanyahu. A recent poll by the Accord Institute shows that not only does the vast majority of Israelis, over 70% of Israelis, think that Netanyahu should go home, but a vast majority of Likud voters think that Netanyahu should go home. Haggai says this is unprecedented. And the war, he says, might be the one thing Netanyahu is holding on to. Just trying to prolong the war uh, because he understands that he will face very, very strong opposition and will probably be ousted from power the day after the war ends. And some of the criticism right now beyond the catastrophic failure of what happened on the day of the Hamas attack and the catastrophic failure of the state just not functioning since. We're seeing thousands of people who have been evicted from their homes, and most of them are being taken care of by civil society, by private philanthropists. The government is almost dysfunctional. And Netanyahu is seen as someone who is not concentrated on the war effort or on releasing hostages or on supporting the communities that were hit, but on doing political calculations of how does he manage to maneuver staying in power once the war is over. Like the, That's the one thing he's interested in right now. And this anger, Haggai says, has also led to a growing mistrust of the government. Some are saying this government cannot be trusted on anything. It can be trusted on leading the war, on deciding how and when to end the war, and it can be trusted on releasing the captives who just don't trust it on anything. Whereas others are saying, this is a state of emergency, this is no time to question leadership, we just need to support our leadership and hope for the best. Leadership, like Mark Regev, a senior advisor to Netanyahu and a former Israeli ambassador to the UK, who has said... There's danger, for the, obviously, for the hostages. And, uh, but I think it's, it's unfortunately unavoidable. We have to remove Hamas uh, from power. We have to destroy its military machine. And it all comes back to the ground invasion. These captives' fate, along with millions of others in Gaza, is up in the air. And Haggai says there, Israelis are divided too. Everyone right now, except for very few on, on the left, who are critical of the siege and of the apartheid and of the war, the vast majority of Israelis support the military campaign entirely. And the only division within society is what to do about those people who are held captive with some saying, we need to do whatever it takes, even if it means stopping the war to get them back. We owe them that much. And some saying, it's very painful, but we need to topple Hamas. And if that means giving up on the people who are captive and seeing them as part of our casualties, then so be it. 
And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Faranisa Campana and Miranda Lynn, with Suri El-Khalili, Sonia Bagat, Chloe K. Lee, Khaled Sultan, Zaina Butter, David Enders, Amy Walters, Ashish Malhotra, and me, Natasha Del Toro, in for Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Alexander Locke is The Take's executive producer. And Nate Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.